Today on the program, the return of our nonpartisan get out the vote campaign. Wag the vote. For this episode, we dive deep into the phenomenon that on the surface might look anti-democratic. Mayor dogs. Who knows what entices people to vote anymore? They probably would come out and vote for that. Hello, I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Claire Mansell in London, England. Welcome to Dog Edition. Where voices from around the world consider all things dog. Dog Edition is the first show designed for you to listen to while you walk your dogs. There are lots of animal mayors out there, especially in America. <laughs> yeah, and they get a lot of publicity because, well, those stories are kind of like catnip for journalists. So we're going to talk about that today and what it means to us as voters. That and a lot more on today's episode. So if you love dogs as much as we do, pause what you're doing, leash up your pup, and let's go for a walk because we've got a lot to talk about on today's episode of Dog Edition. Hey, Pepper, want to go for a walk? Animal mares are not exactly new. One of the earlier instances we found dates back to 1938 in Milton, Washington, where Republicans elected Boston Curtis as precinct committee man for Milton. Sounds kind of like a credible candidate, doesn't he? Boston Curtis sounds like a very, you know, a very good political name. Yeah, the thing is, if you look at the local papers and see the description of Boston, he's actually described as a long-eared, docile brown mule. Oh, not a dog, but a mule, okay. <laughs> so there is a quite an involved story about this, and it seems like it was a kind of mischievous thing right from the beginning, because... Milton's mayor at the time, he was a guy called Kenneth Simmons, and he was a Democrat. Yeah. He is the one who entered the mule into the contest. <laughs> and he kind of came up with this name by combining the mule's title, which was Boston, yeah. with the name of his owner, which was Curtis. And his sort of goal was to embarrass the other party by demonstrating that people have no clue who they vote for. Unfortunately, you know, Claire, I wouldn't be surprised if he was still able to do that today. People have to go out and vote. That's what Wag the Vote is all about. But they also need to be informed about who they vote for. Just because it's a name like Boston Curtis, that sounds good. <laughs> that may not be the best person or <clears throat> mule to vote for. Well, I'm guessing when it came to Boston Curtis, they didn't do a lot of research because it seems like he was quite open about putting this mule into the race. Lots of people knew about it. I mean, to start with, in order to put the paperwork in to start the process, he had to take the mule to the courthouse. To, to like, file paperwork and stuff? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously a mule can't sign the paperwork. Oh. So, <laughs> so he had to get the mule to stamp his hoof on the paperwork, and then he signed to say that the candidate couldn't sign his own name. I mean, that's that's a red flag to begin with, isn't it? You know, elect someone who can't sign their own name. I would like to think that all of our candidates are illiterate, at least, at least can sign. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But there are a lot of animal mayors across the country, and presumably not all of them have been elected under false pretenses. No, that would be upsetting, but it's a good question. There are a lot of misconceptions about animal mares. 
there has to be someone behind that dog that can actually sign off on laws and regulations. I think it would be kind of a tricky thing. I'd want to know who was actually pulling the strings if the dog actually got into office, because obviously he's not going to have opinions on many things that are important to humans. I don't think I want a dog making decisions, <laughs> um, but I think it's a fun... I think it might be fun to do with, like, a younger generation who can't vote yet to get them like excited about the process i think it's an interesting way to get people excited about voting but i don't necessarily think that it's a viable solution so let's clear some of this up the founders of the united states endowed citizens with the enormous power of electing our own leaders and we choose to use our power by electing like a million animal mayors but how are these adorable government shenanigans even possible well, most of these towns are unincorporated communities, which means they fall outside any municipality. And that allows residents to form their own little micro-democracies. That was reporter Sage Boggs with the publication Mike. So the takeaway here is that these are all unincorporated communities? Right. So these dogs don't actually have any powers or duties. They are just uh, figure dogs, figureheads. <laughs> well, there's a bit more to it than that. The election itself can have a lot of benefits. In the town of Rabbit Hash. Wait, wait, wait. Rabbit Hash? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's in Kentucky. They have been electing animal mayors since 1998 as a fundraiser. The Historical Society was working on restoring um, a very, very old church over 100 years old. It was pretty costly since the building was so old. It needed electricity and holes patched and all kinds of things. And they thought that a good way to raise that money would be through this election. Bobby Kayser is the vice president of the board of directors for the Rabbit Hash Historical Society. You, you can't laugh when you say Rabbit Hash. You know, I hear in the United Kingdom there are a lot of crazy names of cities. Rabbit Hash. It's, it's, it's very... Yeah, I mean... Can't I can't believe you haven't heard of it. I used to live near somewhere called Pratt's Bottom in the UK, so I have, I have nothing to laugh about. Uh, she says it all began when Rabbit Hash was invited to participate in the 200th anniversary of... Boone County. Rabbit Hash decided to hold a mayoral election because we've never had a mayor up until that point. It started off pretty normally. A lot of humans threw their name in the ring and someone that lived nearby decided their dog would make a better mayor than any of those people that had decided to run. And that dog started running away with the votes and wound up winning the election. So that's where it started. So how is that not the same as the Boston Curtis story? Well, first of all, they knew that they were voting for an animal. So it's not like Goofy's owners were pulling a fast one on voters. <laughs> but also, don't forget about that fundraiser element. It cost a dollar to vote in this particular election. So every vote cast meant more money to restore the historical church. Ah, I see. So in this case, the informed voter is in on the joke. And while they elected Goofy, the dog, as mayor, they are in fact you know, supporting the community with their with their dollar vote donations. Exactly. Bobby Kayser says, at first, no one really thought about what Goofy's role would be. Hmm. Dogs have such good personalities, they create their own chores. The very first mayor was kind of a mutt. He was owned by a couple, but he traveled around and a lot of people claimed to be very close to him. And he wound up kind of 
pissing on tires. Um, he didn't bite anybody, which was good. He gave dog tours, and people found it amusing when they found out that when they were petting this crazy dog, they were petting the mayor of Rabbit Hash. I just like the idea that the politician is pissing on tires. I know that would only happen in the case of, a, of an animal mayor. I want to somehow adopt that into like common language. Like we can say, oh, you know, that politician had a moment where he was pissing on tires. Uh-huh. You know, that would that would be great. And so that all became part of the appeal. People came to Rabbit Hash as a bit of a tourist thing to not only see the sign for Rabbit Hash, but also to meet the dog mayor. Anyone can vote. All ages can vote. We encourage voting more than once, uh, packing the ballot boxes. You can vote from anywhere because we accept voting via PayPal or any of the online money transfer organizations that are out there. So all you have to have is a computer and you can vote in the election in Rabbit Hash. So this is one election where they're not worried about a foreign country hijacking their election. Uh, They have, in fact, had voters from Finland, Russia, Australia, (laughs) England and Japan. And some of those voters have then subsequently come to visit the place. Huh. Okay. I, I won't even comment on some of those countries. So the election serves both as a fundraiser for Rabbit Hash and as a tourism campaign for the community. Yeah. And the money that they raise is used for the preservation of Rabbit Hash. Rabbit Hash is almost 200 years old and it's a wood town on the banks of the Ohio River. There's a whole lot of rotting going on with the old wood and the old buildings constantly need repair. There's damage from the hill behind it that slides down into buildings. We have electrical problems and roofing problems and windows crack and just anything you can imagine for a a town that old that's made out of wood. And by whole town, I mean a total of about seven buildings and a woodshed. And it's only three and a half acres. So it is small, but it's important to a lot of people. Wow, Jim, you have towns that are 200 years old. Yes, and with seven buildings and just a few acres. (laughs) It does sound lovely. And I know that, you know, wooden buildings do take a lot of battering and do have to be very well looked after, even if they're only 200 years old. So how much money do they raise with this voting effort where you're getting people voting from all over the world? Well, this is really impressive money, actually. Bobby says that the election takes in about $20,000. And a buck a vote. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. How often do they hold elections? Well, when Goofy was elected, they decided that he would be mayor for life. There's plenty of people in power who would like that. But he was elderly and... He sadly passed away after three years in office. So no term limits. Well, term limits were introduced when Bobby's own dog, Lucy Lou, was in office. That's because in 2016, something very bad happened to the rabbit hash community, which is that their general store burnt down. Hmm. When the store burnt, we really needed money. The estimate to finish that store and keep it on the Registry of Historic Places was over $400,000. The Rabbit Hash Historical Society exists year to year on donations and the rent from the buildings, and we were not going to come anywhere near that kind of money. So we decided to have an election that year, and Lucy Lou decided to step down early so that we could 
have that election. She was the instigator of term limits. That sounds like a model of pretty good governance by the mayor. Yeah, it's pretty refreshing to hear about an elected official relinquishing power for the good of the community. It sure is. And you mentioned earlier that the people who vote in Rabbit Hash's election for mayor are in on the joke, but so are the election officials. We do our election on the same year that the presidential election happens in America because we really believe that people need the comic relief from what politics in America have turned into in in the past several years. When politics are a main focus of all the news media, people need a break from that. People need some comic relief. And I think that is the central theme of why we're talking about this today. Sometimes we need a little bit of comic relief from, from the elections. So don't forget, in 2024, wherever you are in the world, that you too can vote for Rabbit Hash's next mayor. We will put a link to how to do that in today's show notes. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we will flip the tables, and I'll tell you a couple of animal mayor stories of my own. And now, a message from your dog. Oh, every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. Oh, I want to run. I want to sniff. Ooh, I want to find a good stick to carry. Oh, I want to roll in the grass. Oh, and warm my belly in the sun. Oh, I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want ever pop. The green, glassy beef liver smell wakes my senses. Oh, you may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy. It infuses any food you give me with healthy life vibrancy. Oh, I can feel it. Ever pop traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. I'm so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpop you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpop, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpop is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpop Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S., Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to Dog Edition. In this Wag the Vote episode, we are focusing on animal mayors. My knee-jerk reaction is to say, oh, you know, it's a small-town mayor. It's probably not affecting things too much. Well, actually, small-town dog mayors can have impacts that span the globe. I'm going to need you to expand on that a bit, Jim. All right, I will. The story goes back to the 1980s. This involves a dog named Bosco. He is a black Labrador mix, and he was elected mayor of Sunol, California, back in 1981. Here again, we're talking about an unincorporated town, and there were these two humans who were arguing about which of them should become the town's unofficial mayor. Bosco's owner chimed in and said, hey, my dog can be either one of you. So, so far, this sounds quite normal and, you know, doesn't sound like it's going to send shockwaves across the world. What happened? Well, Bosco's election was another one of those mayor for life situations that we just heard about. And over time, several news outlets wrote about Bosco. Eventually, the story became so big that people in way off China got wind of it. The Mercury News reports that in 1990, China's People's Daily Newspaper, which is enormous, ran an editorial attacking Bosco's election as proof that in Western democracy, quote, there is no distinction between people and dogs. <laughs> so China doesn't find humor or a civic lesson in all of this. No, here's where the story takes a turn. In response to that editorial, Chinese students reached out to Bosco's owner because they wanted to take him to a pro-democracy protest that was happening outside the Chinese consulate in San Francisco. So Bosco's owner agrees, and Bosco becomes a mascot of freedom. That's amazing. I mean, I'm not sure I would give my dog to some students who are going to a protest. So, you know. I think, I think he went along. Oh, with. okay. Okay. That's, so the joke candidate in a small election becomes a symbol of freedom. I love that. I think it's pretty cool. Bosco served until 1994 when, unfortunately, he had to be put down, as some mayors are. His legend, however, lives on in Sunol, California. Some residents say he is the best mayor that they ever had. Certainly the fluffiest and the cuddliest. <laughs> now, not every mayor can handle the pressure of being propelled onto the world stage and rise to the occasion. That is true, although some dog mayors do aspire to it. The mayor is trying to create a global renaissance of people using love, and that's how the mayor believes that we can create peace on earth. Phyllis Mueller's dog, Max, was elected mayor of Idlewild, California, back in June of 2012. By now, the story should not surprise you. We're an unincorporated town, and so that means our politicians are located at the county level. And 10 years ago, the local animal rescue group in Idlewild, called Idlewild Animal Rescue Friends, decided to have an election to elect Idlewild's first mayor. That was a fundraiser election to benefit the Animal Rescue Friends. So you paid a dollar a vote, and you could vote for as many candidates as you wanted and as often as you wanted. According to Mayor Max's website, 14 dogs and two cats were nominated in that first election. 31,000 votes were cast, and all of the proceeds went to benefit the Animal Rescue Friends. We are all no-kill shelters, meaning that, let's say, a stray animal gets hit by a car and it needs an $11,000 surgery. 
We're going to fundraise for that. There's an ongoing need constantly for funds. Mayor Max I was a golden retriever. He had been elected for a one-year term, but he was so popular that the people of Idlewild petitioned the Animal Rescue Fund to grant him a second year in office. Sadly, Max passed away before he could finish out his first term. The Animal Rescue Fund decided to allow Max's relative, another golden retriever dubbed Max II, to finish out the two terms. Phyllis says at this point the ARF, A-R-F, was going to hold another election, but again the residents of the town threw their overwhelming support behind the office of Mayor Max. The election was canceled, leaving Mayor Max II in office for life. People love Mayor Max. Like at a tree lighting event where thousands of people come to town on one day, he'll meet one or 2,000 people in a day, and they come here real quick. And, okay, give me your camera. I'll take a picture. The mayor loves you. Okay, next, next. And, and it's real fun, and they're all excited, and they love doing it. But there can be other special circumstances, like when we go to a hospice organization to comfort a dying patient. The mayor goes in on a leash. He instinctively knows what to do. He doesn't get frisky. He doesn't try to pull the tubes out of their arms. He knows how to be comforting and loving. Of course, Mayor Max also worked as a tourism lightning rod to help the local economy. But then the pandemic hit, and that is when Mayor Max's role shifted. What I noticed during COVID is that the number of people that were depressed and having issues increased substantially. And they had become unhappy and feeling hopeless and despondent about what was going on. Phyllis is very active on social media, and she steps in when she sees people reaching out. People will say something on social media, and it lets me know that they are thinking of suicide. And I step in and get active on that. Like like tonight at 5 o'clock, I actually have a meeting with a woman who told me yesterday that she is thinking of killing herself and she has the means to do it. Wow. So Mayor Max is pretty awesome, but I think we also should give some credit here that Phyllis is quite a hero in all of this. She is. Phyllis is extraordinary. And that combo of Phyllis and Mayor Max are, are doing a lot of good. They're trying to shine some light into the world, in a world that maybe needs a little light now and then. So what I did during this time, and I've been doing it all along, but I increased it. I started doing part of the Mayor Max messaging more around how it is and what to do so that you can remain happy in challenging times, still survive well, and get out of the depression. And so I did several posts like that that people thanked me for, and I have over the years, received thousands, many thousands of people thanking me for our messaging. We know that by leveraging the power of a dog, Phyllis is able to have conversations that maybe she wouldn't be able to have otherwise. Dogs are just incredible as a healing element. We've actually done episodes of Dog Edition on that. We will put a link to that episode in today's show notes. So dog mares do seem to be making the world a better place and also people like Phyllis. And I kind of could advocate for electing a human mare and a dog to accompany them. That should be the new model, I think. I like that idea. And the office of Mayor Max will continue to shine a light in the world because this weekend, Max III is scheduled to be introduced to his constituents along with his vice mayor sister. You see, they figured this whole thing out. We're getting some, you know, vice mayors in there. 
And some female representation, Jim. Absolutely. We we need um, female dogs along with the male dogs. And it doesn't matter that they're related. Hey, this is politics. That never happens in politics in America. There are wonderful people out there who want nothing more than to improve things for as many people as possible. Sort of the political ideology from when I grew up in the United States Senate in the 1980s. That's really what a lot of politicians wanted. Those folks deserve our vote. Our jobs as citizens of the world is to get informed and find these candidates and get educated about them and support them. Well, that is all we have time for on today's episode. If you want to find out more about any of these mayors, we are including links in the show notes for source material so you can learn more about these four-legged mayors. And if you've enjoyed this story and our episode of the podcast, then please share it with a friend. And don't forget to follow along to Dog Edition in your podcast app. And if you really want to make our week, then leave us a review as well on one of the platforms. Don't forget there are other shows as well that you can find if you head to dogpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Claire Mansell. And I'm James Jacobson. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I want to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. And don't forget, wag wag the the votes! Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.